Welcome to the Teach Me Lit podcast. I'm Sophie Tuvey and I love talking about books and helping you to revise for English literature and go deeper in the texts you're studying. North and South chapters 25 to 26. Now, having just received this proposal from John Thornton and rejected him, Margaret is left to compare Mr Lennox and Mr Thornton in her mind, the two men who have offered her um, marriage. Um, And what's interesting here is that um, she realises that with Thornton, their relationship has been one continued series of opposition. Um, They've always been clashing against each other. Um, And he seems to throw them off from him with contempt. That is her opinions. Um, But it has dawned on Margaret now that he did love her, although she doesn't really know how to articulate or recognise her own response to him yet. She believes that what she did in throwing herself in front of him, she did because it was right and simple and true to save where she could save. Um, And that's what she holds to. And as she goes to visit um, Bessie Higgins, she's left with discomforting thoughts about Thornton's genuine love for her and the fact that she doesn't really know how to respond to it. Now, Bessie's um, very upset too because her father has heard about what happened at Marlborough Mills um, with Boucher and Boucher has been um, in the house arguing with Higgins and Bessie's been really upset by it. Higgins himself is really upset at the riot because he's part of the union and they didn't want any violence because, of course, that would mean the masters could dismiss the claims of the union. Um, um, And Bessie says to Margaret, fools will always break out of bounds. Um, Above all, there was to be no going against the law of the land. Um, The committee charged all members of the union to lie down and die if need were without striking a blow. Then they reckoned they were sure of carrying the public with them. What it must be for father to have all his work undone and by such a fool as Boucher, just as bad as if he meant to be a Judas. Now, Boucher here is um, seen as the Judas figure because he's basically betrayed Higgins um, by leading this this riotous mob. Um, And Higgins is threatened... Uh, to go and tell the police where they might find him as the ringleader and give him up. Um, And for Higgins, he wants the strike to look as if it's in the hands of good citizens who uphold order and would never injure property or life. And of course, Boucher gets uh, in such a terrible passion, he um, actually strikes Nicholas on the face um, and then runs off. Bessie intervenes to stop Higgins going after him and so she throws herself off the settle and clings to him. Father, father, thou never go peach on that poor clemmed man. And what's interesting is the parallel there of just as Margaret threw herself on Thornton, Bessie's throwing herself on Higgins to do her best to intercede um, for Boucher and obviously doesn't want her father to get in trouble by doing anything either. Now, Higgins says that he never actually thought of telling the police on him in, in that sense. It was just a, a threat. Um, but Margaret has seen now that this strike is compromised um, and all Higgins's hopes were, were in that. 
Now, as Margaret returns home, we now hear more about Frederick and Mrs. Hale is is telling Margaret about him. Uh, She says he was born with the gift of winning hearts. And instantly, in my mind, that contrasts with Thornton as well, because Thornton is someone who kind of rubs people up the wrong way. He's very blunt. Um, Frederick's obviously very different. Um, But what is similar is the way that Mrs. Hale has that devotion to Frederick as her son. You know, she calls him my boy. Um, And that same devotion that she has to him is is paralleled with Mrs. Thornton's devotion to John um, in the novel. Now, she basically um, convinces Margaret to write immediately to request that Frederick comes to see her before she dies. Um, And she knows that um, Mr. Hale is in a sense responsible for this. Um, She says, I should not be ill, be dying, if he had not taken me away from Halston to this unhealthy, smoky, sunless place. So Margaret does what her mother asks, even though later on her father's quite shocked to find it out. Um, But her father says, well, it's done now. It's not something I would have done, but, you know, we'll see what happens. And then in chapter 26, um, this scene is juxtaposed with the scene of Thornton returning home to his mother, having been rejected by Margaret. Um, And obviously she's been waiting all day to hear the news of the proposal. Um, It it says that he is her son, her pride, her property. Um, And as Mrs Thornton believes that Margaret will accept, she even starts unpicking her initials on her wedding um, tablecloths and things like that so that she is able to pass them on to to John and Margaret when they marry. She reflects on Margaret's character um, and it says she was pungent and had taste and spirit and flavour in her. True, she was sadly prejudiced and very ignorant, but that was to be expected from her southern breeding. Um, And then Thornton comes in and says, no one loves me, no one cares for me but you, mother. And of course, she realises then that he's been rejected. She says, a girl's love is like a puff of smoke. It changes with every wind. He says, I'm not fit for her mother. I knew I was not. And yet I love her more than ever. And I hate her, said Miss Thornton. And so um, the chapter ends with this image of of John and his mother uh, comforting one another and determining never to speak Margaret's name again. Um, and this letter has gone off to Frederick. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty about what will happen once that letter's received. If you've enjoyed this podcast and found it helpful, please hit subscribe and share it with a friend. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Just search for Teach Me Lit. I'm always open to requests, so if you want me to talk about a text you're studying, get in touch. Thank you for listening. See you next time on the Teach Me Lit podcast.